Welcome to The Marvelous Gospel, a podcast where we examine our favorite movies through a biblical, theological, and redemptive perspective. I'm Frank Gill, and I'm here with one of Earth's mightiest heroes, Tommy Hutchinson. How are you doing? I'm good. Uh, if you've seen my workout routine, mightiest is probably not going to be the word I would use. Uh, You're not on the, uh, the, oh, the, the what's not- his name, the Chris Hemsworth uh, workout routine? No, uh, I'm on maybe the the dad bod that he has in the later episodes, but <laughs> yeah, not awesome. the uh, actual one right now. But yeah, man, I'm good, dude. It's been a crazy couple weeks for you and I. Like, yeah. we planned little scenes behind the curtain. We planned on filming this episode two weeks ago. Yeah, but I preached, and then you preached twice. Then I got pneumonia. And then yeah. neither you or I could talk. So if you hear us cough during this episode, just know that it's not because we're like gagging but rather we're still fighting through whatever and so you got just, pneumonia and you got pneumonia at my house <laughs> yeah yeah so like we so we so we got together to watch avengers we're like dude for the avengers movies we got to watch it together we're like yes let's go it was super cool yeah so yeah. we're like which was a blast we got to do that for future ones but we're watching it and halfway through the movie all of a sudden my body's like uh-uh time to fight and i just was like <laughs> hacking like it was nobody's business and there was no way i could stop it and then we didn't see each other for like a week because I was laying on my couch just yeah. recovering. But no, nah, man, I'm good. Back to your original question. I'm good now. Uh, pneumonia's done. It's back at it. It feels good to talk about Marvel um, and to talk about this. And can we just say this is the start of good to great Marvel? Oh, I mean, I, I, I've been thinking about it. So when we rewatched it, I thought, man, this is so, it's such a good movie. And it absolutely still holds up. Like it's yeah. such a good movie. It still holds up. The story is good, and I've been like just thinking about like what the story was conveying. Like I think you're 100 percent right. This is the beginning when Marvel goes from like good to great, and and it just hits up banger after banger from this point. I mean, we still have Thor: The Door World. Thor, that what did I just say? Thor: The Dark World. But after that, like there's I I can't think of a flop after that, man. No. Like it's I, it's it's crazy good. There were a few parts in this movie as I was watching it that were like, okay, yeah. there's shades of early Iron Man in here. There's yeah. shades of some of that like more comic booky feel and not real conversational that they get to like yeah. in Endgame, in the newer like Lokis and some of those. But man, for an introduction of several of these characters for the start of like, hey, here's where we're going as an overarching theme in like phase one into phase two. Like this was fun. This was a fun and- movie. And you know what's funny is like when you think about the first Avengers movie to where it is now, like there were so few characters back then. Like you, you had six superheroes you had to focus on. And I remember thinking to myself, like I bet, I bet back then people were thinking, how are they going to tell the story of six characters? And now we have the Eternals, which <laughs> yeah. has ten characters. You have Endgame, which has hundreds of characters. Like it's 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 crazy to think that like the big team up movie you know, in 2012 was just like six characters. And that was a big deal. Now we're like in Spider-Man, we're expecting there were six villains in (laughs) Spider-Man. You know what I'm saying? Like we're expecting so many cameos and so many things in our movies. Now it's crazy to think about, but it was, it was such a good movie. Hey, but before we dive into the show, there's a couple of housekeeping things. One, like this has been so fun to make and, and we love the conversation we've been having. There's so many people, I mean, people who – I mean, whoever listens to it, this is great. But even within Epicos, like, there's friends of ours who go to our church who are listening to this. And, like, that's so exciting to me. Um, yeah. You know, the past two sermons I preached, I made Marvel references. I quoted uh, WandaVision. And, uh, and and I know people who are go to our church are listening to this. And I'm just, like, super thrilled that, like, not only do we get to kind of have an outlet to express this nerddom – of this this marriage between Marvel and and theology, but like it's just cool that I'm able to talk to to a you about this, but also other people in my church and then friends outside of our church. So that's been yeah. super super fun. And, and I think this is the big announcement: is we are going to be moving to a weekly release of of this. So our yeah. goal, I'm saying we're our goal. So if we drop the ball, just no pneumonia hit again. But yeah. uh, our, our goal is to not go from every other week, but starting in future weeks, we're going to try to release an episode every single week. So that's our goal, and we hope you hold yeah. us to it. 
Um, we're yeah. excited about it. Don't forget to subscribe, review. Hey, let us know who you are. Uh, we're talking yeah. to whoever knows. We would love to get you in on the conversation. It's fun when you stop us in church or yeah. whatever, but yeah. jump on socials. Tell us what yeah. you think. We'd love to hear from you, whether it's yeah. Instagram, other places. Just let us know. And man, I'm super excited yeah. about what's coming. And yeah, we got some other fun stuff that we're starting to have conversations yeah. about too. Yeah, we, we, I mean, just so you know, like there's a couple movies. There's at least two right now that's locked in. Where we have some friends who are gonna they're gonna join us um, that we're pretty excited about. Uh, so, anyways, with that being said, let's talk about the movie that we are going to talk about today. Today, we're talking about the 2012 blockbuster, the 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 movie that showed us that you can take multiple franchises and mold them together to create something that brings joy and wonder to us all. The Avengers. This is directed by Joss Whedon. And starring everybody, <laughs> at least it felt like it, right? <laughs> yeah. Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark, Chris Evans as Steve Rogers, Scott Johansson as Natasha Romanoff, uh, Jeremy Renner as Clint Barton, Mark Ruffalo as Bruce Banner, and Chris Hemsworth as Thor, and the incomparable Tom Hiddleston as Loki. Uh, are you ready for my quick synopsis? Okay, so so this is where I. I do my best to write my own synopsis. I'm not going to lie. I do cheat sometimes. Like I go to IMDb <laughs> and see what they say or Wikipedia. But like this is my synopsis for this movie. After recovering the Tesseract from the bottom of the ocean, S.H.I.E.L.D. has been quietly working on, on it to create weapons of mass destruction. But Loki discovers the Tesseract and steals it in order to become king over Earth. Nick Fury calls on six of the mightiest heroes to help save Earth from an alien invasion led by Loki. What do you think about that, Tommy? Dude, I think it's good. I think the only thing I would add in there is Loki brainwashing people and controlling them discovers yeah. the Tesseract. That is such a huge piece yeah. in there. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I think you nailed it. For a two and a half hour movie, to have it in what, four sentences? I'll, I'll take it. That's really good. This movie was so much fun. Hey, let's... um. Let's talk about things we noticed. Uh, before before we talk about things we noticed, I gotta let you guys know about this. We are uh, trying some stuff new. We I discovered that I could put audio clips in the the show notes or in the podcast, not the show notes, like in this podcast. Hopefully, uh, this doesn't get like our podcast uh, taken off of anything. But um, but I I found a way to put it in the in the podcast, and so there's gonna be times where instead of just quoting. These characters, we're actually going to play the clips, so it's pretty exciting. But hey, uh, here's a couple of things we noticed. The first thing, uh, and, and by the things we noticed, I'm talking about the things that we noticed that maybe either are just interesting for us or more specifically have some sort of faith connection, but we don't want to talk about it for half an hour. So here's the first one. The title is Avengers. And uh, I was trying to think of how I would define what, an event to, to, what does it mean to avenge or to be an Avenger. And the best definition I can come up with, and, and Tommy, tell me if you have a different answer for this, is, is is to bring justice. But more specifically, it's like to bring equal justice to the to the offender that has conflicted the that has done the affliction of the injustice. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. I mean, when I think of avenge, because the the other word that goes with it is always revenge. So sure. it's not like they're the revengers, um, right. but rather that, like yeah. That would that would be a whole other thing, and I'm sure there's well, some like there's a Thor Ragnarok. That's a line in Thor Ragnarok where um, Thor oh, yeah, uh, right. is on the planet, and he's like, "Who are you guys?" And it's him, and then it's um, the woman that's going to end up being the the queen of Asgard, and then there's um, uh, Bruce Banner, and he's like, "We are the Revengers," and it's like, <laughs> "Oh, this is awkward." Anyway, what were you gonna say? No, I just think when I think of revenge, I think of revenge against like hurt that you did against me. Where when I think of avenge, it's I'm avenging someone else. Now, I don't know if that's true, but at least in my brain, that's how I've always thought of it. Where avenge is somebody on somebody that's completely disconnected coming in on someone else's behalf to yeah. to take to take care of it versus revenge is you hurt me or someone I love directly connected to me. Yeah. So there's an emotional attachment. So I'm going to revenge back to you. Now, I don't know if that's true, but in my head, that's at least the difference that I see. And at least in scripture, um, I mean, I've seen these like cheesy Christian T-shirts right around the time this movie came out. That's called like "The Lord is my avenger" and stuff like that. But there, there is this concept that the Lord does avenge us. Like He does. Like the scriptures often says, "Do not seek revenge. The Lord will avenge us." Uh, a, a, a passage I think it's just is. It sounds like an epic line from a metal song. Joel three twenty one. 
It says, I will avenge their blood. Blood I have not avenged, for the Lord dwells in Zion. I mean, that just sounds like an As I Lay Dying song lyric. Little known fact, I was actually in a metal band through high school, played drums in it. I've got the double bass pedal for my drums in it. And uh, that was one of the lines from our songs. (laughs) I'm I'm actually kidding. That's not true at all. (laughs) We didn't have lyrics. We just had a guy up there screaming. We were not good. Screaming noises, yeah. So, Tommy, let me ask you this question. Um, Because I have an answer, and you might have a different answer for this. But um, the movie's called The Avengers, and the the title has been since the beginning, The Avengers Initiative. And actually, we know when you watch the whole MCU, this title goes back all the way to the 90s um, when they meet Captain Marvel. But the question I have for you is this, is who are they avenging? Like you said, if they are, instead of seeking revenge, they are avenging someone else. Who are the Avengers avenging in this movie? Yeah, I mean, like, I think in the, if you're going to ask the question, I'm going to get super technical. But if you're Go asking the question, it. who are they avenging in this movie versus who are they avenging in like the whole MCU? I think in this movie, I think it's Coulson. Yeah, like, I agree. I think, the, I, think it's the, I think it's the death of Coulson. And even like later on in the movie, when um, the girl from How I Met Your Mother, I don't even remember her name in the character. That's how I know who <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, 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 like yeah. where she's interacting with Fury and she goes, those cards, because when Coulson died, he had a bunch of cards that like were found with blood on them. And that's how Fury got the people to work yeah. together. Um, she's like, those cards weren't actually on him. They were in his locker. And I yeah. forget Fury's exact line, but it was something to the fact of sometimes you just need a little nudge. or you need, I forget the exact line. Well, if, um, you, if, you, if you rewatch the scene where uh, Loki kills Coulson and then uh, Fury finds him... He says something specific like um, the reason why they're not working together is they don't have like a purpose. Yeah. And and like I think that was ultimately giving Nick Fury the idea of using this death uh, for the purpose of having them to come together. I agree 100%. I think in this movie, what they're avenging is Coulson's death, which Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. kind of confuses that whole conversation. But – what were you going to say is the grander conversation of the MCU of the Avengers? So this is where it gets a little tricky because I think you have to go almost character by character. I think there's a little bit like we just watched Thor and it's like Thor is trying to like protect Jane. That's why he comes to Earth. He gives up. He has no way to get back home at that point. Um, I would even say that uh, Iron Man, while um, I still think he's a jerk and I don't think that he's really changed, I think he's still avenging his friend in the cave who died. And so I, I think there's almost a character by character. You get to Cap, sure. and what is he doing? He's he's I think operating out of duty, but I think that there's he's avenging the loss of his lady. You know, like so I think I think there's almost a character by character piece, which is what made the individual film so good, is we understand their motives and what they are avenging. And I don't think I've ever thought about that until you've asked the question right here, right now, actually. No, I know. It's, it's one of those things where like it's such a good title that I don't know if I have a good answer for it. I mean, uh, on one hand, I could say because they're called Earth's Mightiest Heroes that like they're avenging Earth. And they're like just here to protect against things of Earth. But uh, that, that gets very ambiguous the later, the more you go on because like who are the Avengers avenging against Thanos? Like half of all of living creatures? Like I think that there's like um, – you're right. It's, it's broadly – it determines on who the character you're talking about. But for the sake of this movie, it's Coulson that they're yeah. trying to avenge because he, they could, I mean, up to that point, it's just like they're arbitrarily stopping aliens from invading earth. But and now it's like, we need to protect. Yeah. Um, or avenge for uh, Coulson. Zero question. But dude, so we've, we've talked about this. You and I have chatted about this. I'm kind of moving the needle a little bit. Yeah. There is, and there's several lines in the MCU or several like key quotes that are like, when you say it, images come to mind or you're like, that was incredible writing. Like Captain America, finally at Endgame when he goes, Avengers, assemble. Um, or you've got, you know, WandaVision. We've talked about it before. What is grief but love persevering? Like there's yeah. several lines. The first one in my brain, the absolute first, like this is peak Marvel writing is the monologue by Loki in Germany, which I originally when thinking about what am I going to talk about? I'm like, it's going to be that monologue. It's going to be that monologue. It's going to be that monologue. But I actually think there's something else. But dude, um, yeah, I oh, it's such 
jitterating, and there's so much in it. Do you, do you have this clip? Is it? Yeah, up? yeah. Let's listen to it. It's not this simpler. Is this not your natural state? It's the unspoken truth of humanity that you crave subjugation. The bright lure of freedom diminishes your life's joy in a mad scramble for power, for identity. You were made to be ruled. In the end, you will always kneel. So like the beginning of that clip, we, we didn't catch, was he just forced everyone to kneel. So he's yeah. in front of, it's in Germany, which is, I think, supposed to give like allusions to Nazism anyway, of yeah, like, hey, sure. come kneel and all this stuff. And actually Cap later in that scene, he lands off the ship and goes, I once beat up a guy from Germany. Like he's like making yeah. very clear lines. But honestly, I remember the in the movie theater when I first watched this, because I was watching it with a friend, watching this. And I leaned over to him when Loki said this, and I'm like, he's not wrong. Almost nothing in there. Like, I um, I said, Neil, isn't this simpler? Isn't this your natural state? It's the unspoken truth of humanity that you crave subrogation. Actually, earlier in the movie, Loki, when you first introduce him, he, he his first line is, I come with glad tidings. Freedom is life's great lie. It was like, dude, we just got the gospel according to Loki. Like you got the good news according to Loki and what he starts saying, you were made to be ruled. And in the end, you will always rule like biblically. He's right. Like biblically, we were made to be under the authority of God. We And we were made to out of that authority, as Genesis one says, have dominion over the earth. So we were to like rule over it, filling it. Um, the, and actually, like, so there's this piece that we were built to kneel and subjugate, but we don't want to. And so he says, freedom is life's great lie. Now, Jesus talks about, well, it's not Jesus. I think it's Paul um, talks about how we actually have freedom in Christ, that true freedom comes from subjugation or like kneeling and making Christ our authority. Um, But man, I'm like, he's not wrong. I don't know. What did you think when you hear this? Yeah, I mean, I feel like in this movie, there's multiple times where when I hear Loki speak, it's like it's truth, but I want to be careful to not make any sort of equivalence that Loki is like our Lord, because he is not. He is a evil, ruthless dictator that's selfish and narcissistic. But I feel like actually when you get to the Loki TV show, you you see a sense of his, I don't, I, you can't really say his humanity, but like who he is, as a, his character, and why he is who he is. And it kind of changes everything. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think the scripture speaks clearly that, like, we were created to sit, to sit under the Lord. And in, yeah. a, in a type of relationship where it's not a type of subjugation that's like slavery, that's like we are being abused and hurt, but more of like a more of like a comfort of knowing that your father's, your father's in charge, right? That, that kind of like... Uh, having a kind of covering and and uh, authority above you that you know it's going to be okay because the person who's in charge always has your best interest in mind and is going to take care of you. That is kind of like I think the truth in what Loki said. Um, and and I mean, yeah, I mean, he's not, nothing he said was wrong, but and and this is the thing that I think we see throughout this movie is that everything he says is not necessarily wrong, but his conclusion for the solution to the problem is always wrong, right? Yes, like it's like. Yeah. This is your natural state. Now let me rule. No, you're not the right guy. I will I will say this. Like, there's probably like four minutes of dialogue from this from the beginning of the scene where he says Neil till you get to um the 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 fight between Loki between Thor, Iron Man, and um and Cap. That's just like amazing, amazing writing. Like um when, when like you said, there's an old man that stood up and says I've seen people like you before and, you know, um, they were wrong. Cap shows up and he says, the last time I was in Germany, it was bad or whatever. And then uh, Iron Man shows up with the with the, with the the music and, and it's such a funny scene. And, like, he makes fun of him. Then they get him. They go on the ship. And then Thor shows up and then everyone's freaking out. And then Cap, uh, Cap is like, hey, we need a plan of attack. And Iron Man's response is, I have a plan. 
attack. That line, <laughs> that line is so it's such a good example of the like they did such a good job in that four minutes of really personifying each character in the writing that like really shows how they are, and it's so good. But there's another quote that happens right after that that um, we have to bring it up because it's kind of like the East Pastor line in Spider Man, where it's like, oh man, this like is making evangelicals cheer everywhere. <laughs> but there's there's a there's, so so like I said, Thor shows up on the plane, grabs Loki, and gets off the plane, the, the twin jet. Then uh, there's that interaction between Cap and Iron Man about planning and attacking, and then this this line happens, and it's it's pretty awesome. I sit this one out, Cap. I don't see how I can. These guys come from legend. They're basically gods. There's only one god, man. And I'm pretty sure he doesn't dress like that. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that was Natasha telling Cap to sit this out. I mean, I don't need to say anything else. Like, I mean, like yeah. that's, I mean, obviously Captain America, Steve Rogers, grew up in a, in, um, it's the 1940s or 19, it's 1940s, right? This is like peak Christian, like, like everyone went to church. There was like Christianity was in the ethos of the culture. Um, people were be- reading Bibles in school, and and so the having like a, a a a monotheistic view of God and actually having the awareness of a Judeo Christian God, it was so common that for him to say that doesn't necessarily reflect on his actual personal faith, but more of just like the common the common nomenclature of like how people talked back then. But man, it, it was so it was such a good line, like. Uh, you know, there's only one God, man. He doesn't dress like that. Like that's that's so good. I think there is a small conversation that I don't know when we can talk about this, whether it is in Loki or whether it's in maybe Thor: Dark World. But one th- question that we haven't really addressed on this podcast since we got introduced to Thor is the conversation of gods and like mm-hmm. multiple gods because Thor and Loki are considered lower G gods, right? Yep. And um, and for the sake of this episode, since this isn't only in the what we're observing section of our podcast. Um, uh, Captain America is not wrong in saying there's only one God because there is only one true God. Mm-hmm. But like scripture even says that our God is the Lord of Lords, right? He's the King of Kings. And so there's this, there's this concept of like lowercase g gods as in like there's these people who have some sort of like authority or rule that was godlike, but it's not like the true God in Yahweh or the God that we worship and follow. And so uh, to have a a lowercase G God in Loki and Thor is, 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 is uh, one, it doesn't make us uncomfortable. Like this isn't like a Harry Potter thing where like, we shouldn't be watching this. This is bad. Like (laughs) uh, scripture talks about lowercase G gods. And, and, and this isn't something that like is weird. Also, this is fiction, right? Like, 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 like I don't like, I mean, this is, this is North mythology, but, um, there's almost like a soft apologetic where Captain America saying there's only one God. Yeah. It's like us saying like, I could look at these false gods in the face or these lowercase G gods in the face and still boldly say there's only one God. And yeah. And, and our God if, is in the heaven reigning. Yeah. If you really want to dive into this, if you're like, oh, I can't wait till like we talk in future podcasts one now, the book God has a name by John Mark Comer. He has an entire chapter in that book where he dedicates to talking about the difference between lowercase g and uppercase g. I mean, to a T. And he really, really dives into it. Um, I remember the first time I heard someone talk about that, and I was like, that doesn't make sense. There's only one God. It's like, well, you just got to understand. And so, yeah, we can we can talk about that in future. Um, if you actually want to talk more about that, yeah, there is a difference. It's basically talking about the difference between a class of beings versus a personal being. So yeah. like lower caste, so like, the difference between like a human being and Frank, they're both correct, but one of them is like more of a class as a human being yeah. than it is a personal name. And that's the difference yeah. between lowercase and uppercase. That's a real quick synopsis, yeah. but we'll dive. Yeah. I think in future ones, that's absolutely something when we dive into more of the Norse mythology. And let's be honest in the movie, they even make fun of the fact that like Captain yeah. America says that because one of the other famous lines from this movie oh, is so when good. Hulk just takes Loki and smashes him around like a rag doll and yeah. then just says, puny God. And so there's yeah. this like ultimate like humor moment where Hulk finally gets his moment to truly unleash. Um, yeah. And all that. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. good. There's one, there's one uh, unless you have something else that you notice in the movie, there's one more kind of Christian tie-in that I thought was clever. Um, there's a scene where um, 
uh, uh, Iron Man is like uh, flying around and he's trying to defeat whatever that like super long kind of scaly snake creature that floats around. Um, and he says something to Jarvis and he says, have you ever heard of the tale of Jonah? And Jarvis says, I have, I don't think he's a uh, role model. And then what he does then is Iron Man goes into the mouth of the creature and then like plows right through him, which actually is interesting. Thinking back, um, Captain Marvel does something very similar later in the, in the MCU. Yeah. But, um, but that's obviously a line from the movie, not a line. That's a comment about Jonah who in the scriptures, um, you know, threw himself overboard and got swallowed by a whale and was in the whale for three days. And but here's why I like that reference: not just because it's a reference to Jonah and the whale, but like Jarvis is right. Yep. Jonah Jonah's not a role model. No, nope. and like I I think sometimes like because Jonah and the whale is such a a common thing in our nomenclature, like we sometimes treat it like oh Jonah had to be swallowed by a whale. To kind of think about what he was doing, but he was going to go and then go preach the gospel and then people got saved. And that's true. Like he went and go preach the message to these people, these like ruthless people, and like they got saved. But like when you read the con- the whole book, the- I feel like the entire book is an indictment on Jonah from beginning to end. Like God called him to go preach the gospel and tar- uh, um, to the Ninevites. And instead of going to I'm preaching guys like to, to go prophesy, and instead he goes literally the opposite way to Tarshish. He gets on a boat. Uh, there's a storm. Everyone's freaking out, and he's like, "Don't worry, I'll I'll solve this." He throws himself off. God is actually, I think, by sending the whale to swallow him, is sparing his life, mm-hmm. and like and like and 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 giving him an opportunity to like repent. And so he's in the he's in the whale for three days, which is an illusion. For the three days Jesus is in the is in the tomb, and then um, the whale spits him out again. I think that's like mercy, and that's like actually grace towards him. He does end up going to Nineveh, but all of it is like out of reluctance. One thing that like um, if you study the history of it, uh, the Ninevites were ruthless people. They like literally like there's these stories of them like just doing these like despicable would, evil. One of the one of the stories I remember from Summer Summer, they would chain like prisoners to bears. And whichever one was left alive, the bear or the person got to live. Then, wow. and uh, unlike the Chicago Bears, the Ninevite Bears were undefeated. Sorry, that's <laughs> nice. really, really bad nice. joke. Anyways, but beyond that, it's like I, I, there's actually, and like I, I wish people would talk about this more because it's like there's these messages in Scripture that like are clearly about like racism or like um, prejudice, and like people don't preach it that way. And this is an example. I believe Jonah was racist towards these people. And like he didn't want to preach the, um, the the truth to them because he even says to the Lord, he knows that if, they, if he goes there and preaches the truth, they will repent. They will receive his mercy. And he didn't want them to receive God's mercy. And yeah. sure enough, he preached like a, I think it was a seven word sermon, and uh, and uh, they got and then like the whole um, city got saved. And then he, uh, Jonah spends the rest of that that letter sitting under a tree grumbling because God showed mercy to them, and. Yeah. So I love it. Not only is this a cool nod to this Bible story, Jarvis is right. He is not a role <laughs> model. And I and it, like Jonah is not a hero in that story. Yeah. He is – this whole story is an indictment. Anyways, any other thoughts? Well, and Tommy? Jarvis becomes vision and has the greatest line on guilt. So maybe Jarvis all along – maybe it was Jarvis all along who was the guy that was right. <laughs> yeah, I mean there was, Jarvis – yeah. It was good. The only other two, like there are like two other little things that I saw that I – and then we can really – this is going to be a longer episode and I'm, I'm here for it. Um but like one of them, I think there's a slight parallel between the prodigal son and Loki. This idea of he's going off to do his own thing. He's kind of figuring out. And then he has like this come to Jesus moment, which happens, I think, in the Loki episode where he comes back. And actually, I think he's going to become like an anti-hero, hero type character. Um, there's a few there. But the one, two that we're not going to dive into. But like it was hard not to watch um, Loki turn Hawkeye and several of these other people and think, is this not demon possession question mark Mm. like there is a part where like their minds are being controlled um and in fact there's a couple lines where people are one of the lines i think one of the professors says i've never seen such truth this changes how i view my reality and and so you're kind of like oh man like where how does that play into it what is demon possession because obviously they're in this in the in the 
in the New Testament with Jesus talking about another. So yeah, we're not going to dive into that one, but, um, but there was that piece of what does possession look like in our day and age? Is it still there? Is it not? Um, yeah, that's a whole conversation that lots of people have lots of debates over, but yeah, so there was, there was tons of all, all in all fun movie, like really fun, really good. But there were kind of two big topics, um, that we wanted to talk about. And so if I, if it's cool with you, man, I'm going to jump right in. And well, real quick, real quick. There's like there's like two small lines. I just I'm I'm looking over my notes again. Yep. There's one line where um Loki says um uh, an ant doesn't quarrel with a boot, and I thought that was such a good line. And then later Loki, uh, not Loki, um, um, Fury, um, when he puts Loki in the cage, he says ant meat boot. Right. Like, <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was really good. Um, there is a line where, um, uh, I'm pretty sure, uh, Tony Stark calls Loki the rock of ages, which is, it's, it's, it's a silly line. Also, okay. This is the last thing. And you and I both noticed this. So one thing we did, and, and this is a tip for you guys, if you're rewatching these movies with us, uh, put closed caption on because you learn things that you didn't learn before. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's a, <laughs> there's a line where, uh, Tony is talking to Bruce Banner and ask him how he's staying calm. And he's just giving them a bunch of like, you know, is it yoga? Is it whatever? And he's like, uh, a big bag of weed. And, and we're, I don't think I ever caught that. Like, I no. never caught that there was like a bag. Like, he ever said a bag of weed. I just thought it was like funny. Anyways, now it's time to go to the section of our main topic. Tommy, what is the big theme that you want to talk about from this movie? Yeah, I, it's it's more of a huge, I would call it like more of a meta theme. So when we say meta, it's like I'm talking about the overall like MCU, not just Avengers across. And it's something that Avengers kicks off. And you actually see this played out in Eternals. You see this played out in other Avengers movies. And in fact, you start to see it even with like Black Widow and others. And it's this idea of community versus isolationism. Um, and what I mean by that is what actually is community and what drives it versus like in, uh, leading up to this, like Iron Man's like, I am Iron Man. It's just me. Captain America's like, I am the super soldier. No one else should do that. It was very much isolationism. And then when they become the Avengers and their identity switches from this is me to this is us, uh, that's not a nod to the NBC show. But anyways, um, it, it, it there is a switch. And so this idea of community is huge. Um, we... I, one of the things I always say is Christianity itself is not a solo man sport. Um, we're not designed actually to be me, Jesus, nobody else go away. We're actually designed very clearly to be with people in community. And so in this movie, like we talked about it, like what is the thing that they're avenging and what is the the mission that they're on? And we both said it's avenging Colson. And, and I'm going to say a line and then I'm going to back it up. Um, but I believe that when you aim for community, you get nothing. But if you aim for mission, you get community. Wow. Let me say that again. When if you aim for community, you get nothing. But if you aim for mission, you get community. In this movie, and leading up to it, you had like those after scene credits where you could see Fury was trying to create this community or this group that was just going to be protected. And they were supposed to get along and be a team and all these things. And actually half of Avengers was designed to show that that didn't work. They didn't have a common purpose. They didn't have a common mission. They didn't have anything in common besides they were heroes. Like, that's it. And and so they were floundering. They were trying to figure out what is their purpose. And then the second Coulson died, it was something clicked. And all of them together were like, this is what we're going after. And I think the same is true, actually, in our Christian walk. Um, too often I, I, I see churches that are like, we're great. It's all about us. They get in the door and they lose sight of their mission. And you'll be a part of, maybe you've seen these. I've, I've seen this before where you have the church meeting where, you know, you're voting on the budget and people are bringing up other issues. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you see the church carpet color be the point of, of issue. And like, literally I've, I've heard of a church splitting over church carpet color. And you're like, guys, what's going on? Well, I think it's because they've lost sight of their mission. Um, in scripture, when we look at community, the kind of pre preeminent passage that everyone goes to is in Acts 2, 42 through 47. And, and usually they jump to the first and the last verse of that. So verse 42 and 47. So in, in Acts 2, 42, it says, and they, this is the church, devoted themselves to one, the apostles teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers. 
And then at the end, it says, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number. And so a lot of times people look at this and go, look, the goal of the church is we should devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching, which we'd say is scripture, and to the fellowship, or just being around each other, eating meals, praise, and that's it. And I think that that's actually missing what it is, because I think that's community. But if you aim for that, that community of Acts 2, I think is a result of the mission that Jesus gives in Matthew 22 and Matthew 28. And so in Matthew 22, it's where it's the great commandment, where Jesus is asked, um, teacher, what is the greatest commandment? And then in verse 37, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And the second one is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. It's like God says, what does it mean to be a disciple? What does it mean to actually be defined as, I'll put it in the movie terms, as an avenger? Like, what does it mean? And so Jesus would say to be a Christian, not an avenger, but a Christian, would be first to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and to love people. Love God, love people. And that's like the purpose. But then later on, he gives the mission of the church in Matthew 28 with the great co-mission or great commission. It's like we're on commission with Christ where Jesus says, then he said in verse 19, Matthew 28, 19, therefore go and make disciples. It's like, I think too often in, in churches or even myself, I get caught up with, we just need to be together, be best friends. We just need to foster community. And I think the best way to foster community is actually by being on mission. Uh, imagine for a second, if you had a hundred high school boys and you put them in a gymnasium and lock all the doors and say, hey, be best friends. Like what happens? You get the bloods and the crips. You get broken. You get broken ankles, broken feet. You get uh, all sorts of uh, like pods of people, like clicks. And let's be real: it's a hundred guys in a gymnasium. It's gonna smell, and someone's gonna die. Like exactly, it's gonna happen. True. And so you aim for community. What you get nothing. Now let's imagine you take those same hundred high school guys, put them in that gymnasium. You give them a pigskin. You give them the right coaching, the right mission the right purpose and how to do what they're supposed to do and then put them out the field, what happens? If it's done right, you get, remember the Titans. Mm. You, you get this group of 100 who come out like brothers and it's stronger. What's the difference between the two? It's tr- purely the purpose and the mission of the group. Mm-hmm. And out of that comes in. And so I think that's part of what makes the Avengers the Avengers is when they're given a purpose, we need to avenge, we need to save the world. Colson. This we we love him so much that we're gonna go and do something about it. They had a mission and a purpose. And I think as Christians, it's actually no different. Now it may not be avenging someone's death, but rather it's saying, okay, if Jesus is who he says he is, what is my purpose? Because of that it's love God, love people. I actually think the rest of the epistles are trying to explain that. What does it mean to love God and love people in like Ephesians 5, the household? What does it look like to in Philemon to be working? What does it look like? So you see this outplay, but it's not just love God, love people. It's then go and make disciples, teaching them to obey. And I think this idea of community, we've distorted it to, I just got to be best friends. Like my small group that I'm a part of, and if any of you guys are listening, I'm sorry, but I've told you this, so I'm, I'm going to tell everybody, they're not my best friends. <laughs> like someone was actually saying, you hang out with the same group of guys every single week. I'm like, yeah. They're like, are they your best friends? I'm like, nope. But I will say this. The thing that holds us together is Jesus and that mission of trying to love God, love people, and go make disciples together. Mm. I have deeper relationships with those guys than probably some of my closest friends. Mm. I have deeper community with them and a connection. And it's not based off of I like you or I don't like you. It's based off of my love for Jesus. And it creates a deeper community. And I think that's part of the Avengers that it's like there actually there is something right in there that the thing that ties them together that creates this community is the mission they're put on. And I think we as believers, when we truly wrap our mind around the mission we're put on and we put that on, all the other stuff, the fighting about carpet colors, the what kind of coffee should we have, what kind of music, that kind of stuff, it kind of fades away because we realize the purpose of what we're doing. Now, should we have conversation about those? Of course. Like, I don't want to say, like, pick whatever carpet color. It doesn't matter. Like, it, 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 it does. But when that becomes the focus or I just look and go, I just need to be best friends with everybody. I think it misses the mission of what Christ has put us on. And so I don't know. I just think community is huge. This is why I think small groups or being a part of something smaller is a big deal because yeah. it's really hard to get lost in a small group. It's really yeah. easy to get lost in a crowd. Yeah. And so I just think there's I, a huge piece in community. But yeah, what do you think, man? No, I think like, you know, we are all wired 
to be in community. Like we were created for community. And I think that like, even if you were to look at secular groups, like non-Christian organizations, like uh, what brings a lot of groups together, like you even decided, talked about like with football, it's like, there's a mission, there's a purpose for that group. And that's what bonds them together. Mm-hmm. And I think when you look at like the Avengers, it's especially over the franchise, um, over the MCU, um, even the, the 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 joint trauma that they go through, it's what it brings them together, and then that 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 adversity causes them to be more unified and and be tighter. And I think that like um, I think when it comes to us and the church, I like how you said that like not everyone in your small group is your best friend, but there are examples of you being closer to them because of your relationship with the Lord, and even with some of your closest friends. It's because it's like the church has a mission and that, and mm-hmm. there's there's always a mission in terms of why we're together. If you want to just at minimum it's it's to love God, it's to grow in your relationship with the Lord. We're coming together with that mutual goal to grow in our relationship with the Lord and we're also coming together in our goal and our mission to love one another well. And so like every single time we gather, that's what that purpose is. I think that when we um I think there's this temptation. I don't know if temptation is the right word. I think there's this error in um, in the church today sometimes with some folks that like see Christianity as very individualistic. I think it comes Mm -hmm. from like the American American ideals creeping into our faith where it's like – like I look at the church how I look at therapy or the gym. Like I need to add it to my life to improve me. And that's not what we're doing in the church. Like the church is me joining a body of believers. Like if I am the ear, I'm joining that the ear is not a good example because Jesus is the head. If I am the the foot, I'm joining a a, a leg and the rest of this body to make this one, right? Like this is not an individual thing. It's a it's a it's a body coming together. And I think there's something uh, really beautiful to that. And I think even more so. When you look at what the Avengers did, there's this um, – I think they said it was 40 seconds. It might have been longer. There's this one-shot scene where it looks – you see every single Avenger helping each other where like mm-hmm. you know, Cap is helping Thor. Thor is helping Iron Man. Iron Man's helping like, – they're just bouncing off each other. and you sh- You're seeing all of them work together. And it's like they are realizing where their strengths are and coming together to defeat this common enemy. And I think that like – if we want to use the common enemy being Satan, actually, I think a better example of this is our common enemy being sin, yep. then what us coming together is, mm-hmm. is when we study God's word together, when we pray for one another, when we are serving one another, that's us being the Avengers, yeah. uh, you know, fighting and defeating this monster called sin in our lives. Yeah, and um, I would even yeah. even say, too, like the Avengers, when, when that moment switched— it was no longer, it's Captain America and Iron Man. And it wasn't like, and the Hulk, and, and, and. Rather, like, their identity flipped from me as a person to me as a part of something. And that helped define who they were, and the mission is what got them. And I think that's part of when we talk about being in Christ, the body of Christ together. It's like each of us have a different role and a different purpose. Hulk does things that Thor can't do. Thor does things that Natasha can't do. Like, but together they make a more well-rounded team and they work together. And I think the same is true when we think of our role with Christ, just because someone can get up on the platform and play a guitar and sing doesn't make them more the church than the person who's serving in a different capacity or doing something else. Rather, I think what it does is it shows the beauty of the community together, carrying out the mission of growing in their love for God, love people, and then going and making disciples. And I think, I think it's just, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. There's, I could like, there's so many pieces in this. This is a high passion area of mine. Um, like I could dive into even like you get into some of the passages where it's talking, I think it's James five about confessing sins to one another. Um, not that that saves us, but rather scripture actually tells us to do that. So like there's an even need of community in other ways. That's a very controversial passage. So I don't feel like jumping into like the weeds heavy there, but like there is an idea of there's something in the community that God even recognizes. And says, "Hey, you, you're built to be a part of this. You're not built to be alone." But yeah, it's good. I, I oh, there's so much, so much, and even I think future Avengers and future things like you get to. Um, I was thinking about this when you get to like Black Widow, where she recognizes that she's it's the she's better to fight with a family or better to fight with Barton than she is by herself. 
um, just there's so many ways where I think this idea of isolationism, me, no more, shut the door versus this collective. And what's really cool, like, oh, my, my brain's just flying. This idea of the Avengers, if we don't look at a community, even it's going to change members, but the group title stays the same. Oh, that's the church. And, and that's the church. <laughs> I mean, you think of the church 50 years sure. ago, sure. like my dad was a pastor of a church 30 years ago. It still exists. He walked into that church recently just to visit and he didn't recognize anybody, yeah. but that church was still the same church. And it's like the beauty of God creating this community that outlasts us is actually, I think, a beautiful showing of how powerful the gospel and how powerful Jesus is. And but, I think we see the the conflict of when the community is not unified when we get to civil war and we're going to oh, see, yeah. we're going to see the tension of, um, man, I think, I think civil war is going to be a very interesting discussion of like what happens when there's disagreement and different ideology and yeah, there's going to be some stuff there. Hey, I want to talk about, you went from the, did you call it the meta commentary? Yeah. Like I want to talk about something micro, something actually very individualistic. I want to talk about uh, Natasha Romanoff and her character and I think part of the reason why she's even in this group and uh, and what she has to say. So I'm going to set this up and I actually have a clip to play. Um, there's this scene where Natasha is trying to get information out of Loki. But while she's doing that, she's also concerned about her friend Clint, who is Hawkeye. And and like she asked a question like, you know, are you um, like, what are you going to do after you know, he's done being brainwashed. Like she, she's concerned about her friend because she really cares about him. And then this is this is the conversation that happens that ensues. Your world in the balance and you bargain for one man. Regimes fall every day. I tend not to weep over that. I'm Russian, where I was. And what are you now? It's really not that complicated. I got red in my ledger. I'd like to wipe it out. Can you? Can you wipe out that much red? Drakov's daughter, Sao Paulo, the hospital fire. Barton told me everything. Your ledger is dripping. It's gushing red, and you think saving a man no more virtuous than yourself will change anything? This is the basest sentimentality. This is a child at prayer. You lie and kill in the service of liars and killers. You pretend to be separate, to have your own code, something that makes up for the horrors. But they are part of you, and they will never go away. Dude, yeah, that's such a good clip, and like that idea of like a ledger, like we're all more messed up than we think we are. Oh, did, it's good. Yeah, what did, what'd you catch out of that? I was gonna say, didn't I mean they the writers just overdid it when it came to Loki. Like they gave him so many good monologues and so many good lines. So here's the thing: Loki's not wrong. Like again, I have to be careful because I don't want to I don't want to equate um, Loki with the Lord and saying that like our Lord is like Loki. But rather, the content of what he just said is not wrong. She cannot wipe that out. She has taken the life of innocent people. Or she's also taking the life of people who weren't innocent, but she will soon find out. Um, I think by the time we get to um, this uh, Captain America Winter Soldier, I think is when this is revealed, that like um, there are like like S.H.I.E.L.D. is compromised by uh, Hydra agents. And so therefore, there's probably people whom she killed that were innocent people in service of Hydra. Right. So like when she mm-hmm. said when he, when he said you're you're a, a liar and a killer in the service of liars and killers, it's like she is she doesn't even know if she's doing things that are wrong or whatever. But Nat's view of the world is like a giant scale of justice. Like she believes that because of her time in um the red room and and serving uh as a as a spy and as as a, a trained assassin, that she's killed so many people that the scales if you can think of like an old school like scale where you weigh things on each side it's so lopsided that she needs to just make it right by doing more of the right things and 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 you get this really fleshed out in black widow but like basically her mind is let me work for the good guy 
I already have the skills of murdering and lying and being a spy, but let me do it for the good guy, and that will outweigh all the bad stuff I've done. In essence, it's a form of karma that she's constructed. Mm-hmm. Even And Loki even calls it out. Loki says, like, you think you're doing something good, but, like, you've just made this whole system up, which, in actuality, that's everybody. <laughs> everybody has created their own system of justice. Like, even if you don't believe in true karma, I would say most people believe in a form of soft karma where it's like, well, at the end of it all, I hope my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds and God will accept me, right? Like, like this is – Nat's view of her life is not – is not original to her or unique to her. Like this is a lot of people. And sadly, I think a lot of Christians still have this view. A lot of Christians think, you know, yeah, Jesus died for me, but I got to make sure I do a lot of good things in order for God to, to accept me. And it's whack. Natasha is a woman plagued by guilt. And sadly, there are certain maybe even denominations or, or sects of Christianity that wants you to, to use the, the shame and guilt of your past and your sin as a way of control. And I actually think this is what's happening with Natasha is that her guilt and her shame is controlling her and she has no concept of grace and forgiveness. And sadly, and I know you have a strong opinion about, about Tony. This is my strong opinion about Natasha. I don't think she ever gets it. I don't think she ever gets over this guilt complex. Like even to the very end. Yeah. I was going to say, even in her death, I mean, the reason that she wants to throw herself over is because she thinks it's going to wipe out her ledger. Yeah. And I, and I think that like, I think to the very end, she has this uh, <coughs> she has this perspective of like what justice is in her own life that means like outweighing the good with the bad. Yeah. But Loki is not wrong in saying that like uh, it's funny he uses the word a child's prayer, which I think is actually uh, somewhat ironic. But like Loki is saying that you know she's not there's not just red in her ledger; it's dripping with red. So that phrase, if you're not used to it, red, red in your ledger is like a it's a fiduciary term. It's a business term. It means that like you're you have you have more debts than income coming in, and so when you are in the red, it means that like you owe a ton of money, and like you have to somehow reconcile that. And what she's saying is, I've read in my ledger, and I'm trying to fix that. And what Loki is saying, you're dripping in red, which is a double entendre saying not only are you – there's a huge debt that you have over you, but like that debt is literally the blood of people. And what's interesting is I think the scriptures paint that picture about us. Like Romans 3, there's a, the first five chapters, six chapters of Romans is, is basically a legal document explaining our guilt because of our sin and what Christ does. And it, and it uses these fiduciary, these business terms – in order for us to understand what Jesus has done on the cross. So Romans 3, 10 through 18 says, As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks God. All has turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Hey, just like uh, just like Natasha. And in their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. So Paul is actually quoting a bunch of Old Testament references to explain the sinfulness, the depravity of who we are. And 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 he'll even go on even more, even descriptive of like. How we're not just like victims of our sin, but we're active participants of yeah. this grievous trespass. So Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, it says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince and the power of the air, the spirit that is now working the sons of disobedience. So we were dead in our sins and our trespasses. So we were, um, in, in essence, we... We are not alive. We are dead in our sins and our trespasses, meaning that what to be alive is to be uh, alive in Christ. And Jesus is saying, and Paul is saying that we are dead in Christ. We are not alive, but we're not just dead in our sins, but we're actually following someone. And the prince and power of the air is Satan. And, and, and he goes on in verse three, and among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying the desires of the body and the the mind, and we're by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So Paul mm-hmm. paints this picture that we're not just we're not just like victims of sin, like cursed with this problem of evil. Like 
Creation is under a curse. Creation is a victim of our sin. The Bible says that in Romans 8 that like the earth is, uh, is under a curse. So the earth is a victim of our sin, and that's why hurricanes exist. That's why uh, earthquakes exist. That's why volcanoes happen, right? It, it, it's, it's under a curse. But we are not just passive participants in our sin. We are active participants in our sin. And what it's saying here in Rome and Ephesians 1 is Ephesians 2 is that not only are we in this sinful world experiencing the consequences of our sin, but we're followers of Satan and his kingdom. Mm. So like we were active enemies against God and against his kingdom. We were following the passions of our flesh. Whatever we want to do, however we feel, we do what we want. And we were by nature children of wrath. So, so in essence, Paul is saying um, our very nature is deserving of the wrath of God. So this is not a pretty picture. So when, when, when Loki says your, your, your ledger is dripping red, our ledgers are dripping red. Not only are we victims of this sin because of Adam's sin, but we are co-conspirators, co-participants in that sin by our active participation in our sin, following Satan enlisted in the in the army of Satan. This sounds very epic and dark and 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 and, and whatever, but like these are the, this is the picture that scripture paints of our life before Jesus. But Jesus changes all of this. Romans 3:23 verses to 26. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single person, past, present, and future, your mom, your grandma, your great grandma, all the way to 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 Mary or to 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 Eve have all sinned. Mary included, right? And it says, and are justified by his grace as a gift. So what makes you right, what turns over that sin problem is the gift of grace given to us by Jesus. It says, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. The work of Christ is what justifies us. The work of Christ is what makes us right before God. Verse 25, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood. So Tommy likes to say like uh, $10 church words. This is like a billion-dollar church word. This is like the most expensive church word ever. Propitiation. (laughs) This is like the only time, or there's like two other times in the Bible maybe. This is the only time this word is used, and it's only in certain translations, like the ESV. But propitiation literally means, and this is why this ties so well with what's happening with Natasha here. It's a a fiduciary term. It's, It's a term about there's a debt that needed to be paid, and Jesus, his blood was the propitiation. It was the correct payment to satisfy the debt that we had. Our debt was our sin before God, and Jesus's blood was the payment for that debt that we have occurred uh, to God. So so when before Jesus, when he sees us, he sees that debt, he sees the red in our ledger. After what Jesus has done, when you put your faith in Jesus, as it says here, to be received by faith, um, our debt is taken away from us. It's absolved. It's propitiated. And what now our, our, our ledger is in the, in the black or in the green. I don't know what the right word is on that side of it. But, it's in the green. But yeah, it's in the green. Our, our ledger is clear because of what Jesus has done. And so the verse goes on. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be the just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So in other words, Nat's problem is that she feels like she has to make amends with the red in her ledger. And Loki is right that that's impossible. There is no cosmic scale. The red in our ledger is impossible to fix. There's not enough good deeds to fix that cosmic scale of our sin problem. But as God, who is the just and the justifier, fixes that problem for us by sending us Jesus. He gives us that free gift of, of, of God's grace in Jesus Christ when we put our faith in him. And so our ledger can be made clear because of what Jesus has done. This is the doctrine of justification. This is what propitiation mm-hmm. means. This is what, uh, um, there's another word I like to use. It's kind of similar. Propitiation means that our debt has been satisfied. Expiation means that our sin has been separated from us. So, so we are no longer even tied to that sin. So Nat not only feels the shame of what she has done, she's constantly reminded of Dreykov's daughter. She's constantly being reminded of what her past was like, and that is weighing on her. And that's why she's giving her entire life over to the Avengers Initiative, because she hopes she can do better. Us as Christians, 
our sins has been paid for, so therefore it's been propitiated, our debt has been paid, and our sins have been expiated, as in our sins have been separated from us. It's no longer with us. We're not connected to that anymore. Our ledges were dripping in red, but where Loki gets it wrong is that it's not hopeless. God has made a way. The difference between that and believers in Christ is that we have the hope of grace. The, we get the opposite of what we deserve. What do you think about that, Tommy? No, I think it's great, man. I think it's the reminder of, I remember when we were watching this movie together and she said that line, we both looked at each other like, all right, you taking that one or am I? It was like, <laughs> this is a clear as day. I couldn't help but think like the two things that came to mind while you were talking was it, it shows the power of forgiveness. There's this question in my brain that I had a friend once asked me. He just said the question, do you think the gospel is strong enough to save the person that it's hardest for you to deal with? And I'm just thinking through Natasha, who's her ledger is dripping in red. And the other thought that came to mind is, is this not like the thief on the cross next to Jesus? Like the thief on the cross next to Jesus, we don't know what he did, but we know that in order to be crucified, it's got to be real bad, like really bad. That wasn't a normal thing. And Jesus looks at him and says, truly today you will be with me in paradise. It's like, how great is God's grace that it outweighs his judgment? Like how great is his mercy that he will, would create a way to be the propitiation of our sins? It's, it's like there's something. And I think that's the part you're right is like that idea of karma you mentioned earlier of I've done bad. So I need to do good to even it out. And hopefully at the end of the day, it'll be OK. I think even as Christ followers, even though in our head we know that's true, we still act that way. Like we'll look at God sometimes and be like, God, you like I know you forgave me, but I messed up and I'm not good enough. So I'm not going to come to you in prayer. Or, God, I know that I screwed up or I did something wrong, but do you really want to forgive me? I think we sometimes subconsciously fall into what I'll call the Natasha trap. Um, and it's and in and, and in reality, like that's not it. I think that's actually the evil one, like trying to mi- like misguide us when we really realize how great God's love, his grace is that, okay, are there consequences? Like if Natasha came to know Jesus, would she still have to face the consequences in this world for her actions? Yes. Like, the, yes. But the punishment of eternal damnation, of eternal, it's gone. It's gone. And and I think that's the beauty of the gospel. Is it's like we can live in light of that freedom, knowing that spiritually I am free from the consequences, not the consequences, of the um, punishment of sin, but the consequences of this world may still exist. And actually, that's a biblical concept. That's probably another conversation for another day. Um, but yeah, at, dude, it's so good. And we actually will see that theme with her play itself out in future movies, in future Avengers, in future, um, all the way up to Hawkeye with her sister, where she's dealing with, I'm going to avenge my sister. So yeah, it's... Um, I mean, I, I, I don't want to spoil this. I mean, it's a spoiler, but whatever. Um, I mean, I think about that scene in Volmir when Hawkeye is holding on to, to Nat and he's like trying to convince her not to do it. And it's like, I think there's even that moment like Hawkeye is like trying to tell her like, no, there is another way. Like you have to forgive. You have like, there. I feel like I, there's so much in that scene where I'm just like, I, I experienced the pain that like Hawkeye is feeling and, and even like not completely understanding why Nat is doing what she's doing. And it, it kind of, I mean, it kind of makes me like I will say after seeing uh, Black Widow the movie, and and now even more seeing Hawkeye the TV show, like I feel like I really have enjoyed this character more. Like she's kind of always been like, in many ways she's been like the sixth character of the Avengers, but like as you rewatch everything with the movie and with uh, Hawkeye, she's actually kind of like one of the leaders that like keeps the team together. Like. Even after Endgame, when everyone's blipped off, she's like the only one actively working because, like you said, she looking back, her sister was the one that was blipped, and like she's like, we got to figure out how to get her back, right? Like she's yeah. just like, like it's just it's amazing, but like it makes me sad to know that like she never experienced true peace. Like no. she experienced a true family, she experienced community, mm-hmm. but she never experienced peace because that weight of her guilt was always over her. And the the message of our salvation is like, I mean, the reality is as a pastor, I'm sitting with people, um, you know, weekly who, who, who like sometimes struggle with the idea of grace and faith. Yeah. And you just say, Frank, like, 
I've done so many bad things. Like you don't understand. Like I, I, I don't. And, and it's like, and I think what they want from me is to say, say five Hail Marys and call me in the morning, right? Like they want, they want some kind of like medication to say this plus this will equal that, right? And and the reality is, is like, I think I've talked about, I, I quoted this before, Reliant K has that line, the beauty of grace is that it makes life unfair. And it's like, there's something almost unsettling about grace because it's so not about you and it's so external that you always might feel like it's incomplete because it's yeah. not something that you do. But Jesus on the cross when he says it is finished shows that it is complete. Like it is yeah. over. Um, I, I think the next great. time you meet with somebody like that and says, I'm not good enough, you could just say, well, at least you're not Natasha. <laughs> yeah. No, I think, I think too, it's, it's when we recognize God's character, I've mentioned this before, but when you really dive into his name and who he is and those attributes, man, you see, even in when God defines who he is, he doesn't start with judgment. It's actually the last thing he talks about. And he's actually, when he talks about judgment, he says, my mercy and my grace and my love is so much deeper than my judgment. Like you, when you see that and you truly recognize, and then you see that's who Jesus was. And you see that that is that is his character. And then he says, I want to conform you to be like my character. That's when we get to love God, love people. That's who he's turning us into, to be more like him when we love him, to then take that love to those around us. It's like, man, it makes grace unfair, but it makes it even more beautiful. But yeah, dude, there's so there's so much in there that's just good. Like the second you start talking about the gospel and really diving into it, and you dive into the good news of Jesus and his kingdom and who he is and what he's done. It's like, man, it's good. And then you watch an Avengers movie and you're like, okay, there's cool things here. And then you're like, oh, and the next movie is Iron Man 3. All right, I guess we're gonna do that. Do do that one again. So we go from good movie to end of phase one. Here we go again. Back to the uh, not quite the basement, but close. Yeah, there's Iron Man three, there's Thor: The Dark World. There, there's there's these movies that are like, okay, we we have to go back to these individual stories. But man, it's gonna get good. Hey, I, I this was so fun. I've really enjoyed this. If you have enjoyed this show, please. You can help us by giving us a review on Apple Podcasts, by subscribing to wherever you're listening to this. If you're on Spotify, I think you can like. I don't know if there's a review thing, but you can like it. Sharing it with a friend, following us on Instagram, all that stuff is in our show notes. Um, and uh, if you have any uh, any questions, please reach out. Like if you want us to talk about something specific, we want to we want to hear from you. Yeah, but we are we are thrilled. This was a good episode, man. The Marvel Cinematic Universe is so great. It's awesome. It's good. Hey, with that being said, uh, we hope to see you next time. But don't forget to notice the oh, marvelous guy. <laughs> that didn't work. We tried. We talked about it. It didn't work. Let's try hey, again. Thanks Let's for try being again. here. Okay, try again. Go. Until next time, don't forget to notice the marvelous, the marvelous gospel. gospel. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't think we're gonna be able to time it right. But anyways, nope. we'll see. You, we'll see you next time. Bye. Later. <laughs>